so you have COVID, right? So your wife has just had to like call you from essentially the other side of your house whenever we she wants to talk to you. We can't even talk through the door because there's a big towel across the bottom of it. So I'm stuck in a jail cell, <laughs> but it means that I get to uh, do this podcast lying in bed, which is pretty sweet. Well, sitting on my bed anyway. <laughs> Hell yeah. Living life. We appreciate you pushing through the COVID. Also, it's a jail cell with Modo, though, and access to the internet. So, like, pretty cushy jail cell. Uh, it's pretty good. Modo is a pretty accurate representation of what jail would look like for magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, fucking just, just Windows 95 style, crashes all the time, shit doesn't go right. Oh, God. Yeah, I have been battling the crashes this week. Welcome to the Faction Podcast. I'm Ian, I'm here with Trent. I am here. And also Dan is here, despite having COVID, he's pushing through for us, which we very much appreciate. That's right, that's, uh, that's the kind of dedication that this, this podcast brings out. Yeah, absolutely. I just did a COVID test before, actually, and I, I, I'm I negative. Good, good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just, I got home from, uh, I got home from we had like a gather family gathering today, but we were down at in Bendigo for the Easter Friday night pr- procession. Like they did like an evening procession, and I was there with my family and we we're having a couple of drinks and having a really good time. And you know, I just had dinner and I was like, man, I feel like shit. So I just quickly did one. Thankfully, I'm alright, but I was uh, I was a little skeptical there for a second. I was not feeling great. I got to say, you, you sound mildly congested. I don't know. <laughs> Just something, I don't know. But I don't who, like who knows. I it's probably just the probably just the amount of shit that I talk. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I wasn't sure. I started wondering if I even had it, and, and today I thought, fuck, did I actually have it? So I did two different brands of rat test, and both it's like they don't even. As soon as the liquid gets to the first bar, they just they snap just it off straight yeah. away. Double bar on both. I was like, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll stay in my little room. Yeah, definitely have it. Yeah. I've been avoiding it frantically. So I, two weeks ago, my mum came home for, after she'd been away like two and a half weeks. And I happened to be at my partner's house for the night. And as I was going to come home on the Saturday morning, I, I got a text from my dad saying, hey, your mum's just tested positive for COVID. So probably don't come home unless you want to isolate at home for the next week. So I spent an extra week at my partner's house, which is great. You know, really lucky that I just happened to not have been home since she got home like the day before because I was at work and then at my partner's house. Yeah, nice. A week later, I come home. Three days after that, my partner and her parents both test positive. Ooh. So yeah. I've just managed to like, mm. do- like, like Neo in the Matrix, like bullet dodging between the two houses with COVID. Yeah, it's like that Muhammad Ali gif where he's, he's like, dodges 20 punches in three seconds. It's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, Georgie, amazingly, my, that's my wife, she has not got it yet. So the morning that I woke up and tested positive, we were, we were away on a family holiday, which had been cancelled three times. We finally got away, four nights away, and after two nights, I woke up one morning, I thought, oh, i got a little bit of a runny nose, I better just check. Oh, no. Yeah, because I thought we were about to go into town, we were going to go to restaurants and stuff, it was, the kids were loving it, it was great. I thought I better just double check and instant the double two lines. I was like, I said to her, oh, it's positive, dude. And she was like, uh, joking and all that because 
I was joking about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it really was. But she tested negative, and then we drove home. Like, we had to leave. And we drove home for an hour and a half in the car. No windows open, nothing. Um, she somehow still avoided it. And since I've been home, I've just been stuck in this room. Immune. Yeah, maybe she is. I don't know. Yeah. That's incredible. I So I also went to Easter lunch this weekend, and I was chatting to someone who all of her housemates got COVID, or three of them, I think, including her boyfriend with whom she shares a toothbrush, and she didn't get wow. COVID. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right? Wait, what? There's, there's so much to unpack here, uh, Ian. <laughs> that's, that's fucking crooked, dude. I mean, what? I agree. I think it's feral, but... We share the bottom half of our toothbrush, but we have separate little things that go on it. <laughs> hey, mum. Hey, mum, what do you think about uh, partners sharing toothbrushes okay yeah that, no that's that's fucked isn't it oh, no. <laughs> yeah that's so good Could i don't know. repeat that please Trent? what was your mum's answer she said that, that that's like sucking on toes <laughs> oh. so you know where I, you see where i get it from now yeah, that's great. Every now and then I brush my teeth and then I look at it and I'm like, oh, fuck, it's got Georgie's colour on it. It needs a toe on. <laughs> oh, that's not mm. that's not on. Sorry, dude. Yep, 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 yep. yep. It is uh, what it is, I guess. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I'd say I don't, agree. I don't agree with that because I think that's... That's quite frankly, that's fucked. Why don't you just have di- <laughs> different areas for toothbrushing or like just different spots that you put your toothbrush? I don't know, man. I'll say this. After you've had kids... It, there is not much that's like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can't. I can't argue with that. I don't know anything yeah. about that. So fair enough. Yeah. I've seen some shit. <laughs> that's a fair card to play. Yeah. I bet you have. Uh, so this is the, uh, the the faction relationships and COVID podcast. Yeah, that's it. We're doing a non-magic. Epi- uh, no, no, no. I will say on the last non-magic note. So I have replaced my microphone i have like a proper microphone with a stand and a um plosive what what's the the thing that stops your like sharp mm. sounds anyway yep. point is so it also sits much closer to my face because that's where microphones are meant to sit it does mean i've spent a lot of time adjusting it so that i can still see over the large microphone to see the screen because it's quite close to my face mm. yeah yep uh you sound like the business though it sounds good Oh, that's good to know. See, that's good to know because editing this podcast will be the first time I've properly gone back and listened to it. I've been streaming, but I can't hear what I sound like when I stream. So no one had complained about the quality yet, but I didn't actually know if it was making a difference. Yeah, when I think about it, actually, because I've got a big pair of headphones on, it sounds pretty much like you're sitting right next to me. It sounds pretty good. So hopefully that comes across. Yeah, you sound you sound really clean, dude. If I'm sounding super tinny, it's because I'm on my phone. Because... Uh, <laughs> It was like five minutes before recording and I realised that I can't go into the office where I normally record, so I had to hodgepodge together a whole bunch of stuff. I was going to just tell everyone that that was COVID. That's why you sound funny. Oh, yeah. That would have been better, yeah. All right. No, that's that's the reason. So, you know, if with that, with me sounding nice, uh, look out for Faction ASMR coming up soon. I'm Ooh. just going to be like opening booster packs ASMR. Hell yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um People would fucking get around that for sure. I think they would actually. I said there's a joke, but actually, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Ian Cormick's next next genius move. Yeah. You know what? I have to 
I've, I've, Nathan and I have been joking all week about who's the... So I, I started streaming a week and a half ago. And then a week later, Nath decides to come back and stream for the first yeah. time in years. He was like, you know what? I feel like firing up a stream. I feel like he, he felt attacked. He felt mm. like his uh, his title was being encroached upon. I mean, he has every right. He has every reason to feel attacked because he didn't fucking do anything about it. That's right. It's, he's not, it's not you feel like it. He, he 100% he is. Nate, <laughs> I'm talking to you, Nate. He <laughs> comes in chat today. Oh, Ian's the streamer, is he now? Oh, what about me? I'm sick. Dude, he hasn't streamed for like three years, man. Come on. Ian's a streamer now. Yep, so that'll be the next the next escalation in the arms race will be ASMR pack openings. Yeah. I reckon Hoodie's going to get in on that. Yeah, yeah, you reckon? I mean, Hoodie's into pack openings. Yeah, exactly, because he does the pack openings anyway. It's just going to be... He's, he's going to go, oh, oh, Ian, what, what mic did you get, mate? What is that? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, that's the, uh, that's the Series 1, is it? Oh, okay. Turns up with the Series 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little, little bit of petty one-upmanship. The Nimbus 2024. That's right. Yeah, mm, exactly. Mm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. 2022, not 2024. <laughs> 2024. <laughs> it's come for the future. Yeah, so I have been streaming. I've been playing Pioneer. I think we've all been getting into it a little bit. Dan, I know even you got into it today, getting into some Pioneer. I played my first match of Pioneer today. Which, uh, which is saying a lot because the only other time I would have had an opportunity to play it would have been the first faction. I don't know if it was an invitational or it was a, I think it was a championship. Yeah, it was a, the faction champs. It was champs. It was the one that Rob won. Yeah, that's right. The one that Rob won and I was doing the filming of was Pioneer. Um, and I watched people play there, but boy, the format was really unsolved at that point. Um, and that's the only experience I really had with it is just watching people play it there. And then... I felt like the format just totally died, and all of a sudden, it's the uh, it's the hot shit. Because Watsi have said pro plays back, and we're starting with pioneers. So I think it's uh, put a fire under many people's bellies, or whatever it is, including myself. I'm yeah, been really enjoying watching both Nath and Ian uh, stream on Discord and on Twitch, and uh, yeah, keen to get into it. So and so, I believe you picked up Mono Red to begin with. I shouldn't have done that. That was a rough start. Yeah. <laughs> I thought... So my my theory was this, right, that playing Mono Red, and it was a deck that, you know, took down all the top three positions in, you know, the latest major kind of tournament. I thought, I'll, I'll give this a crack. I'll cheese some wins, get the confidence up, and proceeded to 0-5 a league, um, which was really, really eye-opening. And I think the thing that... I realized was that I confused it with trying sometimes like if you play vintage cube, you'll just cheese a draft by, I don't know, opening a mox Ruby and then going, ah, cool. All right, well, I'll just play mono red and you play mono red and absolutely cream every single opponent, get an easy trophy. And I thought, I'll do the same in, in pioneer. That should be, you know, easy, you know, uh, not not thinking like trophy league, but you know, at least win one or two Uh, and just got totally stomped in every single game and then I realized I just don't really even know how to play mono red and actually don't even like it that much anyway. And I thought, what am I doing? So uh, instead, I picked up the Is It Control deck, the non Phoenix version of Is It, and have seriously, I I don't want to like, I've I've got the deck in the cart on the Plenty of Plenty of Games website because I think I'm just going to fire it off. I have not had so much fun playing a deck, legit. 
I mean, other than playing Highlander, this I am loving this deck so much. So we'll see what happens. I think you made a really good point to me, which was that you said even the games where I was losing, I was having fun. And that's the sign. That's the point where you know that that's your deck. Yep, exactly. Because it just lets you... Like, my favourite thing to do in Magic, like, if you were to say, what's what are, like, three words that exemplify Magic to you? It's like, draw three cards. If, mm-hmm. like, if you can just draw... Even if you're just drawing cards that draw more cards, that's so much fun to me. I just, something about digging and drawing and slinging spells and you always feel like there's an out. Whereas the mono red experience, and I realise there's way better mono red players, you know, aggro players in general and burn players who can do this way better than I could ever hope to uh, or that I ever care to. I just feel like... You have a hand, you play it out, and your sequencing and what you do matters a lot. But with decks that are blue, it's like you always feel like there's a chance, there's, there's a card you know you've got to get to, and you always feel like you're somehow in the game, um, and the game's not just being played, you know, in front of you, you're, you kind of have control over the game, Yeah, which I think is what I enjoy so much more, so yeah. You know, I then because I jumped into a, a league with the is it um, deck and I went lot, uh, lost a match, lost a match, lost a match. But I was kind of thinking, nah, I think this is pretty good. And, and in those first ones, I like didn't even know it was in the deck. I was kind of like looking as I was going, um, you know, like treasure cruising and, and being like, oh, those cards are in the deck. Okay, cool. Um, and then I won the last two. I was going to say, I remember you saying. How is Treasure Cruise legal in this format? It's absurd. And I it just how? It's like one mana draw three cards. It's crazy. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about because you can always just rip a treasure cruise on top and it's like, yes, got there. And then you draw five opts or whatever and just keep playing <laughs> it and <laughs> nothing happens, but it's fun. So much wheel spinning. Yeah, but it's really good fun. I, I just love it. So I, I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, I don't know if it's too early to say, but I feel like if I really dig my heels in and, and get loads of reps with this one, that's probably the best hope someone like me has where I'm very time constrained of, of you know, making an impact in the format and, you know, putting up some results. Yeah, so this is the blue-red control list with no phoenixes and with niv at the top and depends a lot of them playing thing in the ice to serve their secondary threat as well as narset and sometimes some combos with that and i think it really fits what we've talked about trent and i and i know kyle as well which was that we really liked a lot of the cards in the phoenix deck except for the phoenixes themselves yeah below the blue red base is quite strong and this is basically just that deck yep exactly it feels like you're playing <clears throat> like legacy because you're just constantly can drooping and moving you know and drawing doing things protecting you know your threat you only have to do you know you only have to have one threat but that one threat wins the game whether that's the phoenix uh, sorry not the phoenix the um the thing in the ice or whether it's you know your storm of the hall giants or um nib mizzet if you're lucky enough to get a nib mizzet out it's gg although i remember someone saying i think it was you ian like there's there's not many ways to deal with nib mizzet in the format at the moment <laughs> i've played it Every single time I've resolved it, I've resolved it three times. Twice it was instantly Assassin's Trophy, and then <laughs> another time it was terminated. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Dreadboard. I was like, great. 
Yeah, okay, interesting. But uh, no, it's just so much fun, loving it. I love your enthusiasm, dude. So good to hear. Oh, man, yeah. Like, I genuinely, it's so good to hear. I think um, I've always enjoyed competitive magic, but having no outlet for it uh, has been rough for the last couple of years. Uh, Highland has been amazing filling that gap. I think for everyone it's been really good. Uh, but knowing that you can practice a deck and get real good at it, hopefully, you know, and there's some, something that you can then do at the end of that is a huge difference. And I'm so glad that Wizards have, it's like someone screwed their head back on for half a second. Yeah, like William Huey Jensen. Well, that, yeah, yeah. I think it's really nice timing. New Capenna is just about to release. So that'll be the last set of new cards before July when we start to have these regional championship qualifiers. So you can sort of take stock of the new Capenna cards and work out how that changes your deck, and then not a ton will change before the RCQs start. There'll be some meta shifts, but there's not going to be any you know brand new cards that completely shake up the format, so you do have that time to pick a deck over the next sort of three weeks, call it, and then just work on it and practice with it for a couple months if that's how you want to approach it. Yeah, that's great. Is there any chance of Treasure Cruise getting banned? It just seems so good. I do think it's really hard to tell with Pioneer because it's so underexplored. It hasn't been played very much for the last two years, essentially. So it's really... It's difficult to tell if anything is actually broken, but it's been under the microscope for the last month, basically, since the announcement. And nothing's broken yet. There continues to be meta game churn and different decks winning and that kind of thing. So Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, as long as that doesn't happen... Whew. What a card! Well, you did you, you did kind of point it out before that it's yeah the equivalence of one mana draw three cards. It's one of the most powerful things you can do in Magic, and the card enables you to do that. So it's always going to have a bit of speculation around it, you know, in regards to if it's broken or not, because everyone's going to gravitate to it, and it's obviously extremely powerful. It's ban in probably every format it's legal in with the exception of pioneer so mm. and it sort of goes hand in hand with dig through time is the other thing it's really hard to ban one of them without pending both because i mean your blue red deck for example would get probably a slight hit by going from cruise to dig but not a ton yeah for sure exactly yeah i mean like i was playing rogues today and this turn one mills me for two cards i'm like oh keep milling baby <laughs> 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 yeah, it's not it's not a good strategy sorry sir i know i'm sitting there with one in my hand like oh this is gonna be good it's free yeah you're uh you're into the story isn't as good as my treasure no, exactly. cruise and it never will be <laughs> yeah it's good fun yeah so sounds like you've been having a good time playing that much better than mono red trent you and i've been talking and thinking a lot about sacrifice decks so i've been playing a red-black version, which sort of leans into the the trinkets, so experimental synthesizer and implement of combustion are the big ones, so just one mana artifacts that you can sacrifice to draw cards effectively, alongside things like Deadly Dispute and Sakenzen Smelter is a new card, and Oni Cult Anvil, and then backed up by Fatal Push and Voltage Surge, which is sort of the appeal of the deck, is getting eight really good one mana removal spells that hit all the way up to most four drops and then obviously mayhem devil at the top of the curve is that sack payoff which i've been really enjoying 
tuned in with and have played a fair bit and had a decent amount of success with. And Trent, I know you've been thinking about John Sack. Yeah, I, I recently just came around to it because, um, as, as you mentioned, you were playing a lot of Red Black Sack and we were talking on stream and, and just talking on the, the Discord, watching games. And and then you played against the John Sack and the matchup was really interesting. And it did it kind of came became a little bit clear in like game two and then game three that the the John sack was just a little bit more grindy with a few more powerful top end cards and that is something that me as a magic player always uh, naturally gravitate towards too um towards sorry so um yeah i've just been looking at a a bunch of different sack list, lists today because i actually haven't done any so I, to I've never played with Witches Oven and Cauldron Familiar outside of that standard GP where I tested a bunch for it, but then we couldn't get Corvold. Yeah, that was a mess, Cor- trying to find Corvolds in paper because they were only printed in like some promo, like introduction deck or something? It was a commander, it was a commander promo. Oh yeah, right, it was It was only in the commander box and it was legal in standard for some reason, and it was just impossible to find them, and a bunch of them, because they were foil, were curved, right? Yeah, yep, they were curved, and then vendors was either didn't have them or were selling them at outrageous prices. So um, that was the only time I played with Witches Oven Cauldron Familiar. And then, like I said, I was watching you. We've really been enjoying tuning and playing this red black deck. Then we played against the John Sack deck, and I'm like, holy shit! Like this is something that I ne- I really enjoyed in the short period of time I played with it. I'd really like to challenge myself and. You know, find an interesting deck because I me- I messaged the the pod squad today and I'm like this is just very similar to my Highlander deck it's just got a million different moving pieces and it requires like it's, it's not a very easy deck to play it's actually called like the cards in it are just insanely uh, cohesive but you need to know what you're doing in order to play it and that's really intriguing to me now so yeah my next foray into Pioneer is is probably Junsack which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, one of the things that stuck out to me when I played that matchup was Corvold in a similar way to, and I know, Dan, your Nibmizzets have died a lot, but frankly, I think Assassin's Trophy's only played in bad decks and it's not a good card. And there are a couple of Dread Boars running around, but apart from that, there aren't really ways to kill like five plus drops, especially with five or more toughness. So Corvold broadly fits that it does come in with four toughness there's a very brief window where it can get voltage surged but in general it's really hard to kill it creates value when it comes into play and generally if you play it and then untap with it you just kill your opponent with like a giant flyer that draws a like so many cards it's one of the big draws to jund yeah i, I mean i remember watching uh isaac egan when he top aided the uh players champ players championship no what was the what was the other name for the was it Players Tour? Pro Tour? Players Tour? Mythic Championship? Mythic Championship. Fuck, one of them. Anyway, yeah, he top-aided playing playing John Sack, and he was just destroying people because, obviously, Isaac's a phenomenal player, but he also just piloted this deck phenomenally, and it was just like Mayhem Devil Bolas did a little Corvold, just mm-hmm. drawing a million cards, just going way over the top of his opponents, and it was really interesting to me. And like I said, that's something that I'd like, I'd like to emulate that kind of gameplay and... and play with that style of deck so yeah it's definitely something i'm interested in and it's also something that i've never really done as a magic player like i'm not i've never really been a combo player so to speak but this is a really interesting it this deck or these like red black slash jun sack decks are kind of a really nice medium 
bridging of like a mid-range deck that plays that has like inherent combos built in mm. yeah that's a really good way to look at it i normally refer to them as engine decks and that but in, in this case it's not even like a full engine because you do have standalone good cards but then a lot of your cards are just much more than the sum of their parts when you put them together yeah and i think that these decks have definitely got a shot in the arm since well the last couple of sets with the introduction of deadly dispute which is you know black treasure cruise and only only cold anvil which is just an, like an, a witch's oven that can be even better so yep. there's definitely a lot of powerful things that you can do with these decks but as i said it comes back to that challenge of of, of being able to put the time and the thought and the, the the repetitions in it because i think like if you were to just give me blue white flash or blue white control right i'd I feel like I'd be able to pilot that pretty close to what I need to, as long as I know the format, because I've just done it for years. But something like this is completely in the dark for me. So I get that really cool learning experience of being like, hey, I'm complete dog shit and I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm losing games (laughs) and why am I losing games? And then improving and seeing myself improving and want to improve, which is just something that's really been really important to me over the last couple of years because we haven't had competitive magic so there's been no reason for it. So the only way that we've, you know, that people have stayed interested in Magic is either, you know, switching to the online Mythic Championship players to whatever we said before, or pushing themselves to be better. And this is the perfect avenue for me to do just that. Yeah, and I think that desire to learn and that feeling of learning is something that really resonates with me as well. I talked about how I immediately picked up Lotus Field when I first started playing Pioneer after the announcement of the return of the Pro Tour, and I've talked about how I love that deck because it is it feels like problem solving and it's it's a lot of just trying to find the line and that's an enjoyable deck style to me. But also there's a lot of inherent joy in learning new things, and in in the case of Lotus Field, it's primarily new lines. But there were a lot of games where like I would finish. And then I would sit there for several minutes afterwards thinking through different lines and different play, often after I timed out, and that feeling of learning and working it out and being like, oh, so this was the line I should have taken, and now I feel like I've learned something, and that is a tangible thing that I've learned and I'll be better next time is a really cool feeling. Yeah, and we've had so many of those moments in the last couple of days of just playing the red-black sack deck, right? Of just, mm-hmm. like should we play our smelters before combat should we play our harv- like should we play our harvesters what are we respecting what are we how are we trying to be aggressive like just everything is just completely different and it's just a huge learning curve it's been fantastic like yeah for sure it's so much it's so much fun i mean on this deck for example and this sounds crazy to me now but four days ago i think when i started playing this deck it didn't have deadly disputes and it didn't have mayhem doubles in it because <laughs> i didn't i didn't like those cards and now they're like some of the best cards in the deck you know deadly dispute i mean you've read to it as black treasure cruise it is absurd how much that card creases the wheels and just keeps cards flowing and doesn't cost as much mana as it looks like it i mean it says two mana but because it makes the treasure sometimes it's one mana but sometimes instead you use the treasure to sack because you need sort of trinkety artifact things around to sacrifice so it's it just creases the wheels so much and i mean on mayhem devil so i started on none and then I added two, and then I added a three. And Trent, I remember you came in, you're like, why don't we have four Mayhem Devils? And I was like, oh. And I said this, you guys. I said, well, when I draw the second one, it clogs up my hand. <laughs> and you just turned to me, you said, if you draw the second one, you just win. Yeah. I was like, because I was watching you play, and every time you'd draw a Mayhem Devil, it was like, oh, sweet, now we can win the game next turn. And I'm like, 
So you got four of those, right? Like, why are you not playing all of the card yeah. that wins you the game every <laughs> single time? Yeah, and Anvil's. I mean, it it someone someone referred to it. I think it was Mike referred to it as Pioneer Legal Bitter Blossom. And honestly, that's not the worst comparison ever. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 somewhat close. Yeah, just the amount of free stuff it creates and the amount of synergies. And then, obviously, it's a sacrifice outlet for Mayhem Devil, and yeah, it it really and the the big thing actually, and again, this is this is actually like bit of blossom. They stack up like when you have two or three of them in play. Oh yeah, it's it just is absurd. Well, bit of blossom's legendary, right? No, it's not. No, uh, is it? Ah, uh, it's tri. It's got a sorry. It's tribal. Yeah, it's tribal. Yeah, it's got like a fancy type. Sorry, I thought it was legendary for some reason. That's weird. I don't think I've ever seen someone play a game with two bitter blossoms in play. I guess mainly I see it in cube, I guess. But Well, yeah, so firstly you see it in cube. And I imagine in standard, when they put the second one on the stack, the other person conceded. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, law, law and constructed was probably much, much of that. Second one usually doesn't get into play. Doesn't need to. Watching you play uh, this sack stuff, oh man... Especially with the synthesizers and only cult, only cult anvils and stuff, boy, if you were playing someone who didn't know what this deck is trying, like you know, I assume most people kind of get like what sack decks are trying to do. But I have seen some absolutely absurd stuff come out of this deck. There are so many times when you know you, you've got five or six permanents in play. They, you know, this is this is going to be a little bit bit of hyperbole. Your opponent will be on 23 because they've gained a bit of life. You draw a Mayhem Devil and say, oh, great, I can win the game from here on this turn. And I'm like, well, how is that even possible? And then just the fireworks begin and it just goes and goes and goes. Like if your opponent wasn't prepared for that or had no idea what you were doing, I just feel like it would be impossible for you to lose again, you know, unless they just somehow ramped into something that completely overwhelmed you. Like... You know, your opponent will be attacking you down with multiple creatures or things happening and you're able to create four blockers a turn, you know, out of nothing. It it feels like it just creates so much value out of these tiny little artifacts and things that are just randomly hanging around on the board. Uh, Even when it's not the, you know, number one game plan of just going crazy, pinging them to death with a mayhem devil or whatever. It's like even the defensive plan you can i've just seen you hold off a game for so long where i'm thinking man your opponent must be sitting there thinking just fucking die <laughs> like i just can't get through because you keep you know create a blocker block sack the blocker do this other thing it creates three more blockers you know oh. i will attack you for 42 yeah. i will block and take three Yes, exactly. Oh, so good. One of the games we played against Winoda where they had a Packmaster in play, they must have had six or seven creatures in play, and we survived, like, three or four turns because I had three anvils in play, and it was, yeah, it was like, cool, so I'll make three one ones, and I'll block with these, I'll sack, so I gain two, you take two. There's just timely reinforcements every turn. Yeah, exactly. It was was crazy. And you touched on Synthesizer, but, yeah, if Deadly Dispute is Black Treasure Cruise... Synthesizer is just a one-mind divination. That puts a 2-2 into play, sometimes. Yeah, when you flood out, it puts a 2-2 into play as well. <laughs> Although, if you ever do that, it's usually not going very well. <laughs> yeah, it's not going. It's either they're either exceedingly dead, or you're exceedingly dead. And there's, yeah. there's, it's, it's either, yeah, you're either at 80, at 80 and up, or 20 and down, 
and there's nothing in between. For sure. And Smelter has been the other card. So I know, Trent, you've talked about this might be the best uncommon in Cam- Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Limited. In its in its exact form, then, yeah, probably the, probably the most egregiously powerful for what it can do, yeah, as a two-drop. Like, obviously, yeah. there's a, a host of really powerful limited uncommons in this set, but I think that Smelter leads to the most wins in the deck like the you know the actual red black mm-hmm. smelter anvil synthesizer limited deck it's completely absurd yeah making three ones with haste is just so much pressure to attack planeswalkers to attack your opponent if they don't have blockers or even if they do have blockers right three ones trade up with so much and then sometimes you just hold them on defense three power is a lot if you're going to block with it and you can often just it's pretty easy to make one most turns between your baubles or if you have an anvil out you just get to pay one and you sack the one one to turn it into a three one and then that makes another one one from the anvil and so you just do it every turn and it's very easy to very quickly build up a wide board that can go round blockers and can drain people out with anvil or devil as sort of your reach as well so that card's really really impressed me yep yeah no it's a it's a sicko it's really good and you like said to touch on it more like three powers a lot in constructed form like in these older constructed formats because everybody's just playing either cracked spells or super efficient threats and generally super efficient threats just don't have like three toughness like they just can't block very well like i actually can't think of any creature off the top of my head like i could think of old growth troll in the format uh that costs three mana like it trades with bone crusher giant it just trades with everything that you're are typically going to see in the format, right? The way that it plays in your deck, it always blows my mind when you go to end step and it doesn't get sacrificed. And I'm like, that fucking thing hangs around? That's not Because, you know, like obviously designing the card, you know, the assumption is that you're probably sacking some, you know, artifact that you really want in play or something. But when you've got so many ways to just make either treasures or bloods or, you know, all these little... the implements and all these dumb little artifacts that you don't even need in play it's like it's just absurd that the, the three one hangs around it's like wow that's crazy yeah for sure it makes 20 life look absurdly stupid mm, yep mm-hmm. for sure but that that's just how i think of it it's just like you look at your opponent and you just you're playing this game but all of a sudden they're on 11 and you've done nothing yeah like you really you've just you're activated this smelter and drawn a bunch of cards because that's that's actually ultimately what you're thinking about is just getting your combo online and then whilst you're doing that they're just offhandedly dying to three ones yeah for sure you're like sweet a sack outlet to sack my card my synthesizers or my things that draw a card amazing oh also they're dying cool okay well that's the side effect i think the only downside to it is that it is a grizzly bear yeah in a format where fatal push uh fiery impulse flame bless bolt and you know, anything of that sort are just super like they're just ravaging the format at the moment mm-hmm. so you can get in a lot of spots where if people somewhat stabilize or just have a reasonable hand where they can interact twice obviously it can make the card look a little bit awkward but i feel like any game that you dodge them or your opponent stumbles they just get eaten alive by the card yeah or even sometimes depending on the matchup you can sometimes sequence in a way where you you get in the first trigger so they, they tap out or they tap low or whatever and you get in the first trigger, make the 3-1, draw a card and they untap and immediately kill the 2-2 two, two, but then you still have this 3-1 like 
that is a pest. Yeah, if you can find the spot, yeah, it's great. You definitely do trim down on it, though. There are definitely matchups where it just isn't what you want to do, but when it's good, it's really, really good. So yeah, it's really interesting. Like if you can think think of how insane a card like Porcelain Legionnaire is, it's like this just shits out Porcelain Legionnaires. I know that I know first like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, just oh my gosh, so good. Uh, the Cedric Phillips special. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The one deck I have been having trouble with, though, is there's a new, new-ish new mono green deck, which is interesting because mono green devotion used to be a deck, you know, ages ago in Pioneer. Got cards banned, right? Got the green ley line banned. The ley line of abundance or whatever. Yep. But that deck is still around, but green has gotten so many tools over the last few years and just, like, really powerful threats. So now the deck is still on a bunch of mana dorks, but instead of having sort of mopey like it doesn't have the ramp problem of your deck is all ramp and big payoffs now because instead it gets to bridge through the middle with old growth troll which we mentioned which is like it's two four fours and some ramp in the middle and the green cavalier which is just so much value and also again i've talked about how five drops are hard to kill five mana five six really really hard to kill and even when you do kill it it's already put a land into play and then you kill it and it gets to like put a card on top of your library from your graveyard so it just puts like Storm of the Festival or another Cavalier or something on top so it's really hard to beat with any sort of one for one and the mono green deck is really fast is what I found because it has eight mana docks there's a lot of ramp so it's really hard to get under it it's really hard to one for one with it because it also plays a lot of planeswalkers and it's also honestly a little bit difficult to go over the top of it because it even has an infinite combo now but that comes up pretty rarely, but mostly it's just a really big ramp deck with a lot of Planeswalkers, makes great use of Nykthos, has Storm the Festival, so that's been a really interesting deck that has come up. I know it put up a result in the challenge over the weekend and has just sort of burst onto the scene a bit, and I don't think people have fully worked out how to combat it yet. I know I haven't. Yeah, I played against... It wasn't the Monogre... It's not not that deck, but it was the Golgari deck, the same guy that... or a uh, person that... um. Assassin's trophy my uh my new visit. Uh and I had them down to no cards in hand. They draw for turn, play an Elder Gargaroth, and I was like, How do I beat this card? <laughs> like I just can't beat this card. Yeah, you don't. You just you just don't, yeah. It's so good and the rate is insane. So that's a different deck actually. There is a green black mid range deck playing four Elder Gargaroth, and I think it's the same thing when I saw that deck. because I also played against this deck. And they put an Elder Gargaroth in play, and I did the exact same thing. I looked at the two Fatal Pushes and the one Voltage Surge in my hand and went, ah, well, five minus six, six, huh? <laughs> yep. Boy, I wish I had a Corvold. Yeah, I'm going to need to chain a lot of things together to get through this, but by the time you could do that, it's already gained a bunch of life, made a few three threes, and you're like, <laughs> But I think Trent makes a really good point, actually, alluding to Corvold. That is a spot where maybe John Sack has a window, because, like... If your opponent goes off with Cavaliers or whatever and you just put a Core Vault in play, they can't kill it because they're monogreen. That's kind of their weakness. They have um, they have the Khan, Khan the Great Creator, the one that can search for artifacts from your sideboard as sort of a wish package for a lot of the combo decks where they'll have a Graph Digger's Cage, they'll have a Tormod's Crypt, that kind of thing to try and deal with some of the combo decks. They'll have Damping Sphere. But nothing beats a Core Vault. Like, what are they going to do? You know, you put the Core Vault in play and the next turn it probably kills them. Yeah, I think I think that John Sack definitely doesn't suffer from the same issues that that Red Black Sack uh, does in that matchup specifically. 
I know that there's been a few iterations in some of the better decks with blue white moving to playing farewell in the, in the main deck now uh farewell just as a absolute hammer against the the green decks like they just can't beat that card i think that that might just be a really rough matchup for for mono green in general just because i think a lot of the responses that blue white has is just super efficient against uh mono green like the wandering emperor is really good teferi is really good obviously settle supreme and all that kind of stuff are just you know, lights out a bit against a lot of their draws. So I think that blue-white didn't really need to move too much for the matchup, but I think that all these, like, red-black mid-range, red-black sack, mono-red, they're all kind of being eaten up by these mono-green decks at the moment, which makes sense because there's so much, so much raid on the cards, as you said. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think the format had sort of shifted to what I think of as small ball, lots of really small, hyper-efficient cards and spells, and that sort of got pushed because of things like Phoenix, things like Winota that just really compress the format down to almost, um, it reminded me of Old Modern, where just your cards have to be cheap because we're going to play quick games and you have to make plays on pretty much all of the first three turns of the game. Maybe you can skip turn one if you're on the play, but in general, you need to be playing to the board and you need to be progressing your game plan really early on, which leads to a lot of decks that are just full of small spells and if you start slamming green haymakers ahead of schedule they don't have ways to deal with it yeah 100 you're you, you mentioned farewell actually that reminds me of potentially a card to think about would be hour of revelation which would be quite good against mono green because they just dump their hand on the board and they they enable it a lot yep yep yeah that's, that's yeah it's also very similar um the downside to that is it doesn't exile the graveyard which farewell also gets so storm the festival isn't like a back, it closes off the back door and storm the festival as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I think really exciting pioneer. Definitely still, you know, things changing, metagame churning, new decks coming up. We're still exploring different archetypes. I'm sure other people are as well. Aside from the sort of staples, and there are sort of at least half a dozen staple archetypes that put up results every weekend. So it's a really exciting time in Pioneer. Obviously, New Capan is coming out, which will undoubtedly change things up and gives us a new limited format, which is very exciting to learn. Also good to see you very excited about the format, Dan. I'm just pumped. I'm gonna. I'm just waiting for this to finish so I can go back into a game. <laughs> Love to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. So a bit of a shorter episode this week. Thank you both for hanging out with me. I'm Ian. Dan has been here. Hello, uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Trent's been here. Kyle wasn't here. Sign us off, Trent. Goodbye, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs>